Hi, my name is Dominique, and together with my team, we produce the content for our weekly Swisspreneur episodes. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And it forces you to break out of this internal view where you say we are the greatest and we know everything. No, you don't. You have to really be user-centric and to change perspective. Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and hands-on learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Lucas, very well, welcome to the Swisspreneur Show. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. You're the Managing Director at Debt Agency, a full-service digital agency based here in Zurich, but also with offices in other countries and the headquarters in the Netherlands. And today we want to talk about digital marketing for startups. And maybe we can jump in with the first question, what is digital marketing and what is it not? Uh, digital marketing is basically the collection of all the possibilities that you have in the digital area of connecting with your potential clients, of establishing a dialogue with them and uh, at the end of the day to convert them into clients and to keep them as clients and to make them as happy as possible. Possible. What digital marketing is not is it is not a silver bullet or even a golden bullet for each and every business to thrive. Although many people hope for that, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, they absolutely do. And this is a kind of a misunderstanding which stems from this fact that in digital marketing, everything, or that's the myth, uh, everything uh, is measurable. You can track each and every click and each and every conversion. And therefore, a lot of people think, okay, I can do that. And uh, therefore, I will be successful per se. Uh, but it's a lot of hard work. Absolutely. Many people also confuse the two terms, digital marketing and, and inbound marketing. Maybe you can also quickly uh, talk about that differentiation between the two. From my point of view, inbound marketing pertains to everything where you get ready to welcome your clients when they approach you. Uh, for example, uh, when you do a lot of search marketing, uh, then this is a kind of inbound marketing. But this, this is not everything that you can do and you shouldn't restrict yourself to doing simply inbound marketing. There's also a lot of push marketing involved, of course, when you want to reach the market, when you want to reach your audience, when you want to grow. And uh, this is not an inbound uh, thing per se at the end of the day. So you have to combine the two things in a very smart way in order to be successful. Got it. Makes sense. And can you explain why digital marketing is actually important for startups? In a lot of instances, not in each and every instance, in a lot of instances, startups uh, present a new solution to recent problems or a new solution to old problems, uh, which implies a lot of times that you also have to reach new kinds of audiences. And uh, therefore, in this specific case, uh, going uh, through digital channels is mandatory because a lot, of, uh, a lot of people are gathering their information. Almost all people are gathering their information today through uh, digital channels. So you cannot really differentiate anymore. You have an older audience, so this is push and this is offline. You have a younger audience, this is online. Uh, all the information is gathered online in a lot of cases today. So uh, it's, it's simply, uh, you have to be there. You have to do that. Otherwise, you miss out on a lot of opportunities. If you're not there, you're missing out. That's it. So let's talk a bit about the different uh, digital marketing channels. Can we talk about the most relevant uh, digital marketing cha uh, channels that you see? 
let me approach this topic from a from a funnel kind of of, of view. Let uh, let's assume that uh, in the first instance you have to reach your audience, you have to make yourself a name, and you have to uh, get well known in the marketplace. Uh, and therefore, you need channels where you can really reach people and reach a lot of people. So, um, and there are different channels that you can that you can use. So, YouTube, for example, is a very very important channel in order to really reach your audience. YouTube is huge. For example, in Switzerland, uh, approximately two and a half million different people are visiting the homepage alone of YouTube. This is not even counting the, the videos, the, the actual YouTube content, but the, the homepage of YouTube alone, two and a half million different people in Switzerland each and every day. So this is a huge channel in order to really uh, have some reach. Uh, and then there's the whole discipline of, of programmatic advertising, the newish uh, kind of way how you do display advertising today where you do not book platforms anymore but you book audiences wherever they may be as soon as they really match with uh, the definition of your own audience then you can reach them uh, on, a, on a lot of platforms and uh, this is at the beginning in an upper funnel view those are very very important uh, platforms. Then in a mid-funnel view you can do a lot uh, with search obviously. Uh, people are googling whatever they want to know. So this is a huge channel. This is uh, quite probably the most important digital marketing channel of them all. You can also do a lot of cool stuff of course in social media, in Facebook, in, in Twitter. Uh, LinkedIn in the B2B context and there are new platforms which are emerging there like Twitch for example or uh, TikTok where you can do really really nice stuff and then when it comes to, uh, to lower funnel when you really want to convert clients then search is actually the most important channel of them all that's where uh, you do a lot of conversions you can also do a lot in, in, in social media still but uh, search is very very important in, in the lower funnel and when it gets to pampering your clients and uh, keep them on board and um, really care for your for your customer lifetime value then it's the good old email where you can do a lot of nice stuff well i think that's a very good overview let's talk a bit more about how you actually also find the right channel for you so you talked about the different funnel stages but how can actually a startup select the right channel for them or actually find out which channels are the right mix for them yeah, they have to be really, really very diligent about their strategic goals that they want to achieve short and midterm. Um, so uh, when you start up and you are uh, offering a new solution in a very well-established business area, then your strategic goal uh, may well be to uh, reach conversions very quickly. And so search would be a very nice channel uh, combined with social. Uh, but when they uh, enter a, a market where um, the solution is not that well known, where they really have to educate the public first before they can really uh, enter the market, then uh, they should really go about it in a way where they reach their audience, where they are able to educate the audience and where conversions are not the first uh, goal of them all. And this is quite hard to get right because a lot of startups, they want it all at the same time. They want to reach everybody in the whole world because they have such a brilliant solution and they want the whole world to buy. Uh, or to convert, whatever the conversion may be. And uh, it doesn't really work that way. You really have to work very diligently at, uh, along this funnel that I, that I mentioned. We prefer to work with a, a framework that was established by Google some years back called See, Think, Do, Care, uh, which poses a very simple question. What's the user's intent in any given moment? 
Does he just want to see something? Is he thinking about something? Does he want to do actually something? Or is he caring about you and he's a, is already a, cost, a customer of yours? And based on that, you have to define your strategic goals and then you can uh, define your mix. So if you want to grow and educate your market, you have to act in a see and in a think phase uh, first. So YouTube, programmatic advertising social would be the place to go. If you really want to convert uh, users very quickly, if the opportunity is there, uh, then you are lower, lower funnel and then everything around search and also remarketing with programmatic advertising and so on would be very, very helpful. Great. So really be aware which funnel stage that you want to tackle and whether your service or product needs actual education or if people are already willing and ready to buy. Absolutely. Yeah. What's also stuck with me is that you sort of detach here to the question about the channels. You detach that a bit from thinking about the different channels, but focus really on the user intent, on the user story. Can you maybe talk a bit more about you know, how you actually do that in, in, in more detail and also from a startup perspective? I can give you here some, some insight in how we approach those topics, be it with startups, be it with uh, established companies. Uh, so we really work a lot of times in this uh, see, think, to care model, which basically clusters user intent and it forces you to break out of this internal view where you say we are the greatest and we know everything. No, you don't. You have to really be user-centric and to change perspective and take the perspective of a user. Uh, and then we apply five layers of questions to, uh, to those four intent phases of see, think, do, care. We, first of all, um, we ask ourselves, the business asks uh, themselves, what is my audience? What is defining my audience is quite similar to the concept of a target group, but uh, in addition, you also ask what kind of data trail are they leaving behind in a digital area, uh, which I can capitalize on. And you really try to, to find a, a, a phrase, a catchphrase, which really describes what is my audience? What is the core of my audience? Uh, that's the first question. Then the second question we ask is, what are the micro-moments, the so-called micro-moments in a life cycle of my audience? Now, this is also a Google concept, which I think is very, very fruitful. A micro-moment is basically the question, what are those small moments in the lives of the members of my audiences which uh, deem it useful to get into touch with them? Or from their perspective, to get into touch with us? Is it a problem which arises? Is it the competitor which is growing? And so on and so on. So what are they doing? They go to Google. In a lot of instances when micro moments occur and when you are sifting through all those Google queries where you have a lot of databases where you can really tap into this, this uh, treasure trove, um, then you can detect all those micro moments. And then uh, comes the third question. Okay, now I know my audience. I know their micro moments. What's the content? that I have to deliver in order to help them, uh, in order to answer their questions. And then question number four, which channels do I have to use to reach the right audience in the right mi micro moments with the right content? And question number five, measurement. How do I measure success? What are my key performance indicators which help me to strategically drive my, uh, my digital marketing forward and to be more successful? Wonderful. And it actually kind of works. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a simple framework, but it yields a lot of insight. It yields a lot of results. And it really gives you a mental discipline so that you are not just 
Try and error is a nice concept, but this can become quite expensive quite quickly. Right. Still, I guess that there is a certain balance because you can think through these five questions, you know, on your desk or with your team, but then you also always need to test them in real life. So how do you balance that? What is thinking through and, and analyzing and what is actually executing and testing? Yes, this is, a, of course, a huge difference because working through this framework, this is step one. Mm -hmm. And what you are doing there is you are formulating hypotheses, right? And then you uh, go to market and you test those hypotheses, whether they are true or not. And maybe you find out that your definition of the audience was completely wrong. Maybe you find out that you missed out on a lot of micro moments and those that you thought they exist, they don't exist at all. Uh, so you have to iterate, iterate, iterate. And this is something very fundamental. When you go into digital marketing, you have to iterate all the time. You have to be very fluid about how you apply uh, all those insights that you gather in real time. So the core of it is to become a data-driven company where everything you do in digital marketing is data-driven and is not based on gut feeling. Right at the beginning, there is a lot of gut feeling involved. That's true. You need to formulate those hypotheses, but from there on, you need to be ready to be uh, data-driven. This is hard. This is hard to get right. And this is something which is, uh, I think, very, very important for a lot of startups that they are really aware of the fact we need to be data-driven as soon as possible and as smart as possible. Yeah, the result is better decisions in the end. Yeah, of <laughs> yes, of course. And in, in the best case, it's less work because uh, the engines can do the work for you. But um, that's a kind of a vision. Uh, kind of, it's not a myth, but it's, it's, it's uh, let's say it's a process. Right. And how do you actually realize if you are on the right track or on the completely wrong track? Yeah, that's, that's actually quite a, quite a cool question because uh, at first sight, this is very simple. You have your business goals. And you define those business goals diligently, I hope. And um, you broke it down to marketing goals that should help you achieve your business goals. So you have your KPI, you have a KPI system, and uh, then you are launching your digital marketing campaigns after having defined the strategy, maybe based on see, think, to care. And you meet all those KPIs. Everything's wonderful. But uh, the baseline looks horrible doesn't really work, right? Your burn rate is too high and uh, that's the point where you have to realize very quickly, uh, I misdefined my KPIs. Uh, it doesn't work that way. So you also have to be iterative on uh, what kind of KPIs you are working with. What, what is like a good time frame that you would uh, recommend there, you know, to test and then also adapt the strategy that you have enough data to work with, but also change early enough before burning through all your cash? It's not really a matter of time because measuring data over time also has the problem that you have a lot of skewed data because of seasonalities and of uh, stuff that happens day to day. So it's not really a question of time. It's a question uh, of the amount of data that you are uh, collecting here. So at the end of the day, it's a statistical problem. And when um, the confidence threshold is met, uh, then you have to act. That said, there are a lot of small businesses that are starting up which will not gather enough data in uh, one week, two week, one month's time uh, to meet the statistical threshold. And uh, their good old gut feeling has to come in again. But it's an ongoing process. You cannot give yourself a schedule where you say, I will iterate every two weeks or every month. Uh, you will have to base this on the amount of data which is coming in. In, uh, in some instances, uh, 
In our client portfolio, this happens on a daily basis. In other instances, this is maybe once a month, uh, but you shouldn't wait longer, really not. Right. Is there a certain amount of data that you say, okay, this is uh, enough to actually make a good judgment? Let's not go into the statistical details here, but uh, let's say when you when you gather something like four or five thousand visits a month, then you have a pretty accurate picture of what's going on already. You can even do some some quite cool stuff below that threshold. Uh, when you employ uh, tools like Google Ads, for example, there you have a huge advantage because a lot of artificial intelligence is built in there already. And uh, so Google and other engines as well, other platforms as well, they are able to compare the data that you are generating with a lot of other companies with very similar situations. And they know very, very quickly whether something is working or is not working. And so uh, those concepts built into platforms like Google Ads, for example, they help you really, really quickly to um, to reach your goals and to get better without you having to bother about statistical analysis and right. confidence thresholds. They're also in, in Google AdWords, there are also these recommendations. I guess that they, they are also to a certain degree based on, on this data. Um, what do you think about them? Does it actually make sense to just follow them, what Google is suggesting you there? Or uh, should you really double check there and uh, not just click on approve all and uh, do execute everything that you see? In that regard, whenever there is some kind of content decision involved, uh, let's say uh, additional keywords that Google is recommending or uh, modify your, your ad copy in this and this way, uh, then you have to take a very close look at it and you do not just wave it through because uh, this also has to do with uh, positioning, with values, with uh, veracity. Uh, sometimes Google is suggesting keywords uh, for stuff that you simply do not offer. So you really have to be very diligent about that. But as soon as recommendations get numerical and uh, the engine recommends uh, up your bid, lower your bid or whatever, then you can uh, really trust Google in a lot, a lot, a lot of instances that this is the right recommendation. You have always to take it with a grain of salt due to conceptual reasons. I mean, Google is a party in this whole game and they want to earn money. So that's, uh, and as well they should. Uh, so you, you have to take a closer look at that. But, but uh, for example, in, in uh, bidding, you know, it's an auctioning system, Google Ads, and you have to define and redefine your auction bid over and over again. And you can really um, hand that over to the engine. You do not have to touch your biddings anymore. You just define the overall strategy. So my strategy is a high return on investment or a low cost per lead or whatever. And the engine will go to work and will work quite nice, quite nicely uh, in a lot of instances. You have to check the data over and over again to be sure that everything is on the right path. But when it comes to numerical recommendations, my trust in Google is quite high. It's probably hard to beat them with all the data that they yeah, have at hand. It is. Let's also talk a bit about the, the budget. Uh, you know, a startup just starting out, having no clue about the right channels. How much, I know this is really depending on a case per case, uh, but still, is there any recommendation for a general budget that they should allocate to digital marketing channels from your perspective? Yeah, as you said, it depends on, on, on the vertical. It depends on the budgetary uh, possibilities that, that startups 
uh, actually have. There is a rule of thumb, which uh, I'm telling over and over again, have been telling for the last uh, two decades. Um, and this is, um, well, point one, uh, it would be really useful to invest at least 5k a month uh, in order to really gather data uh, swiftly enough. Number two is, uh, if you do not have this possibility to, to invest that amount of money, um, fair enough, but then please, please, please over-invest at the beginning. Stretch to your limit and go above the limit because the quicker you gather data, the quicker you can really make informed decisions and then you know where to save money. Because at the beginning when you jump in and you spend like 500 francs a month or something like that, you simply have no idea what you are missing out on. So uh, over-invest at the beginning, gather data, and then save the money where you think it's useful. Nice. So that's also an important message for startups. Better, if you can, raise a bit more money to really invest in the digital marketing channels. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let's assume you found a good channel that's working. Um, and you know sometimes it can be uh, that there are more competitors entering the same market and bid with you for the same keywords uh, or also on social. And then the working channels get more expensive. What do you do then? You invest in quality. This is uh, one of the nicest aspects of digital marketing, this paradigm um, that quality uh, gets rewarded. And um, that's not simply a myth. This is uh, an integral part of this whole paradigm of auctioning systems. When you take a look at Google Ads, uh, you can also apply this concept to, to Facebook Ads and so on. Uh, a lot of it is about quality. To put it very simple, the higher the quality of your website and your content is, the lower your click price will be in relation to your competitors. Uh, and that's not, think, not, not something that I'm just uh, stating here or inventing. This is really an integral part of the whole auctioning concept that uh, mainly Google was driving uh, in the middle of the last uh, decade. And um, this is where you can do a lot of things when you are really, again, think user-centric. What is the intent of the user? What are their questions? How can I help them? How do I, do I have to uh, compile my content? And when you really address a user's need, then you will get rewarded by lower pricing also in digital marketing. How is that quality measured? Is there like any certain metric that you can follow to measure if content piece A or content piece B is actually better in quality? Yes, there actually is. And uh, funnily enough, it's called quality score. Very important concept in, in, in Google ads where they're trying to measure or they do measure the quality of, uh, of your content, uh, but also technical uh, aspects like uh, page speed, for example, which is uh, really huge in, in, in this game. Um, and you can sift through that data in your Google Ads account. And as you see for each and every keyword, for each and every landing page, uh, what kind of quality does Google attribute to, to this certain aspect of your, your campaign. And then you identify high click price, low conversion rate, low quality score. Uh, okay, let's work on the content. Right. And what role does the time that people actually spend on your page play in that regard? That's also a certain measure of quality, no? Maybe. This is something which is quite hard to pin down because uh, measurement of uh, Time on site is, is uh, it's a difficult measure to, to put it mildly because uh, you cannot really measure it in a very accurate, it isn't measured in an accurate way. Uh, but there is anecdotal evidence that uh, a pogo sticking effect uh, 
comes into play here that when Google realizes that uh, users are clicking on your ad and they're bumping back immediately to the uh, search engine's result page, then this is a pogo stick event and then this may lower your quality score. But there is no official statement uh, from Google about that. There is no definite proof about that. Of course, it indicates low quality, but take the other case. I. Uh, I publish a very nice piece of content and mm -hmm. people are flocking to this page. They are reading the whole long piece of content. They are very happy about it and then they leave. Uh, then you have uh, a zero seconds time on site because they didn't do anything else which would help define the time on site. Uh, so it cannot be really used as a, as a definite indicator. Yeah. It's also, you know, if, if you take Google as an example, there you want to have people off the Google page as fast as possible. Yep, exactly. Because otherwise you're, you don't find what you're looking for, right? Yes, exactly. So, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, it's not an absolute measure in that regard. So we're big fans of specific examples. And when we did the preparation together, you mentioned a very interesting B2B case about a solar panel uh, sales, basically, where you did an online campaign. Can you walk us a bit through you know, how you approach this, uh, maybe also with the tools and frameworks that you just mentioned, and what the surprising result was in the end? Uh, yes, especially one, one surprising result. So the, this company uh, selling solar panels in, in the Swiss market, as you already told, and they were doing actually quite well. And uh, one of their main sources for leads was Google Ads already, and they, they did quite well. Um, when we took a look at the data, we realized that actually they had a lot, a lot, a lot of data. And um, so we figured it should be useful to really employ all those uh, little gizmos that Google has implemented in terms of artificial intelligence in the system. So what we did is we radically simplified everything they did in Google Ads, but also in other channels and uh, told the engines Look, here's the data. Do whatever you have to do automatically uh, to uh, really reach the strategic goals that we predefined, of course. So, uh, and this worked simply brilliantly. So um, we upped the number of leads by a factor of five. Nice. Took some time. Uh, at the beginning, it was quite slow. Three, four weeks, we had to be really patient. But then the effect of uh, artificial intelligence kicked in. And then it grew like crazy. And today we are uh, fivefold above what we had before in, in, in terms of leads. And now we are expanding this. This is, uh, if I refer back to the see, think, do, care framework, this is mainly in a do phase where people really want to get in, in touch with companies that are selling solar panels. But uh, at the same time, it's really hugely important to educate the market. What can you save with that? What's the effect on, on, uh, on the world as a whole when you are... Uh, implementing solar panels. So uh, now we go upper funnel and are reaching uh, a lot more clients uh, thanks to that. Is that in general a strategy that you would recommend? You know, start at the conversion stage and then going upper funnel? Or does that again depend on the product? Uh, it depends on the product. It depends on the strategic goal. It also depends on the maturity level that the, that the client is, is in. And uh, when it comes to startups, I have to admit, a lot of times you really have to get that cash in, right? Otherwise, the engine will stutter and falter. 
And uh, therefore, yes, a lot of times it actually makes sense to start at the do level to really go for performance. But it is really, really hard sometimes to get out of this mindset afterwards because when you realize you can generate performance and the leads are coming in and then you try to go upper funnel. Mm -hmm. So what happens, you reach more people, but the number of conversions doesn't immediately go up, of course, right? right. Those things take time. Are you disciplined enough in your mind to uh, really go with it and to be patient enough and to realize I'm working on my positioning, I'm working on my reach here, and I do not have to count each and every conversion from day to day uh, when I do upper funnel campaigns. So this is hard to get right. Uh, but as you said, a lot of times it makes sense to start in a do phase. Got it. Let's quickly go back to the solar uh, panel case. Um, you mentioned it took about three to four weeks until you then really saw the results picking up. Is there also anything in terms of budget that you can share, you know, how much budget you actually allocated on what channel over a monthly period? Yes, in broad terms, I can. Um, it was a, a five-figure sum that was invested each month in Google Ads and uh, different other uh, channels, of course. So it was uh, quite uh, substantial, the sum that they invested, uh, which is also quite necessary, to be honest, in order to really have the full benefit of those artificial intelligence concepts, because those concepts, they need data. Absolutely. And the goal was to generate leads, or what was the specific campaign yeah. goal? Specific goal was uh, to generate leads, and now this is something which uh, I love, which is really interesting. So generating leads, um, Sometimes it's hard, sometimes it isn't. And in this instance, artificial intelligence did the trick. We boosted it, of course, but, uh, but still. But uh, because the business models works in a way where your leads then have to be converted into sales in an offline environment, uh, what we also realized is that uh, growing the number of leads doesn't automatically translate into growing your sales because lead quality might deteriorate, right? right? Um, so what we are working on now is to take a very close look at the parameters that determine whether a lead converts into a sale or not. And those insights we reapply to the whole digital marketing we, we try to avoid, data-driven again, uh, to get in touch with those people who might become a lead, but where we know with a high uh, probability they won't convert into a sale later on. Right. So what we are doing now is really tying together offline success with uh, online marketing. Yeah. I guess that's again, where you get the magic, right? Yeah, that's that's <laughs> where I'm really enthusiastic about. When, I can see. <laughs> when and you then, reach this level. You know, the whole artificial intelligence part that you mentioned, is that the built-in tools that you mentioned from Google or are there any other resources or tools that you use along that process? In the first instance, when it comes to lead generation, those were the built-in uh, concepts that, that we employed. Uh, but now when, it, when uh, we talk about tying together uh, offline results and online marketing, there we need to apply uh, further tools which, which do the trick. There. Right. Which tools, if you can say? Uh, they are built in-house, uh, so it's not really something which is on the market, but there's a lot of stuff on the market you uh, you can use. And in the end, at the end of the day, we all pull it together in the Google Cloud and, and, and use those concepts again there. Great. What's uh, really interesting here is also this offline component that you mentioned. So when does it actually make sense to then switch from online, you know, from online marketing channels to an offline channel? 
Oh, a lot of times, actually. Um, okay, so when your business model is relying on offline conversions, like in this uh, solar case, or when we talk about uh, brick-and-mortar stores uh, that do have an online an online shop, which sure. are active in e-commerce, but they do have their, uh, their brick-and-mortar stores, then this makes total sense on a data level to, to bring those worlds together. Uh, when it comes to marketing, to be honest, I'm a huge fan of offline marketing because what we see over and over again is, first of all, uh, very well-known brands, they tend to perform much better in digital marketing than unknown brands. And how did they build their brand? Not with Google Ads. They built it over uh, years and decades with uh, also a lot of investment in offline marketing, of course. And we also see this uh, also in the instance of online-only players. As soon as they begin to invest in offline marketing, then their numbers in digital pick up. You can see it immediately. You can see it even live, right? When you uh, when you open up Google Analytics, there's this live view, and uh, a TV spot is beginning to roll on the good old-fashioned TV. You see the numbers pick up uh, because that's just us. That's just businesses or marketers who are tending to make a difference between online and offline, right? There's kind of a delineated there. But as as users and as consumers, we do not separate those things. We get our impulses when we wait for the tram uh, from an offline uh, billboard and then uh, we take our smartphone and we begin to Google. It's just one kind of funnel for us. We do not, uh, we do not separate those things. Absolutely. And you know, then, uh, of course, if you do have an offline business part, then you need to do the sale offline. But in general, would you say that the offline part is really strong in the C part, maybe also a bit in the think part, but then that's really after that stage, that's really where the online channels then perform well? Yes, I'd subscribe to that. Uh, I think that's true in most cases. You know, there is this good old concept of what in German is called the Schweinebauchanzeige, uh, which is when you are offering, uh, well, the, the, the Schweinebauch for 350 instead of 420. Uh, so this is a do phase, obviously, as soon as you have uh, uh, rebates and stuff like that. But in general, yes, offline is a lot of push, is a lot of see, is a lot of think. Uh, and is quite remote from, from a do phase. Got it. So let's also talk a bit more about how digital marketing can help you to you know, access new markets, to go international, for example. What role does the digital marketing channels play there uh, in order to you know, decide, okay, let's go to Germany, for example, with our startup product and services? It comes down to data again. And this is also a very nice thing about digital. Today, you have those tools at your fingertips where you can reach out to different markets in the international space in order to find out, um, is there a market for my product? Are people actually looking for this kind of solution or not? Um, what are uh, market sizes? What are click prices? And so on and so on. So. You can sit at home and you can uh, fire up those kinds of tools. Again, Google uh, has created a lot of tools which help you there. And you will find out quite quickly, Germany, mm, nice large market, could be expensive, Italy much better or vice versa. Um, you have the data at your fingertips today. Again, yes, it's data driven. Again, it's a hypothesis and you will have to test. Yeah, makes sense. And also one question, uh, because you've seen both, you have uh, a lot of experience there. 
when does it make sense for a startup to do, you know, the, the digital marketing uh, channel and, and strategies and so on on their own? And when do they actually need support from an agency, for example? Okay. Now, I'm an agency guy, <laughs> and therefore my response to that may be a bit uh, astonishing. But whenever a startup has the possibility to build up internal know-how when it comes to digital marketing, please, please, please do that. You will be that much swifter. You will have less friction between uh, the business and the marketing because everything is meshed together within the company and you will be much, much swifter. So it makes total sense. Uh, that said, you have some kind of, of a risk, of course, because in the beginning, maybe you have one person uh, who is able to take care of, of this aspect of your business, is building up know-how, uh, a lot of know-how in a very short period of time, and then they leave. And then all the know-how is, is, is gone. So in that regard, you are uh, a bit on the safer side when you really strive for building up this know-how in-house, but uh, you hire an agency which is coaching you, which uh, gives you a second opinion, which is delivering proactive input. Hey, there are new concepts coming up. You should try that. You should test that. And which can help you in a situation where you have fluctuation in your team and you need uh, someone who helps you to bridge this gap. So really, the agency is sort of a sparring partner, but not the execution partner per se. Yeah, in a lot of instances, this is actually the case. Uh, of course, I'm super happy when uh, clients outsource the whole thing to us. But even in those instances, uh, we are so happy when we have really competent partners uh, uh, on the client side, because together we can move really, really swift. Absolutely. And if a startup doesn't have any, you know, digital marketing expert or enthusiast yet who's eager to learn uh, the ins and outs, where can I actually find people uh, of that sort? Do you have any uh, hiring recommendation? That, now, now, that's a good question because, you know, for us, this is also uh, something which is, which is hard to get right, hiring, hiring the right people. And we have a, a brilliant team here, but it's a lot of work to... to to hire those people. So even for us as, as an agency of a respectable size, uh, it's, it's quite tough to find the, the competent people in this, in this area. So I can tell you where we find them. We find them uh, a lot of times in, uh, at universities, technical universities where we do a lot of lectures and people are in those courses where it's about digital marketing. Uh, expressively, so um, this is a this is a very good point to to really start looking for people, universities, technical universities, and to uh, make them enthusiastic for your product, for your services, for your startup, and uh, try to hire them. I'm surprised that you didn't say business universities, but you specifically mentioned technical universities. I think that's a technical term for what is actually a, a business university. Help me okay, out! Sure, Help me it. out here. A Hochschule Luzern, a Fachhochschule Nordwest, right? You're right. I was under the impression that those were called technical universities, but they are in fact business That's universities. Right. Got it. Let's also look at tools. You know, uh, you mentioned several already, but like, what's the best uh, tool setup that you see for getting started with digital marketing? What would you recommend to startups? I would take a very, very, very close look at a solution where you can really integrate stuff very quickly. It may be tempting to. Uh, follow a best-of-breed strategy and to employ a tracking tool called Motomo and to use a bidding tool called whatever. 
Um, this may be wise when you really do have the resources. When you really want to move swiftly, then uh, it makes sense to have a tech stack which is integrated. And again, uh, a lot of times the, the Google solutions are very, very good. Uh, also, Adobe, of course, has great solutions and uh, there are other offerings in the market which are really very good. Um, but um, I recommend to, to build a tech stack where you do not uh, really use a lot of different, uh, a lot of different vendors. Right. And although, you know, you probably focus on the Google mar marketing platform, for example, or the Facebook tools, if you have to go outside of these big platforms, are there any like one or two must have tools from your experience? For startups? Yes, I think so. Um, maybe it's not always the same tool, but uh, you really have to take a very close look at marketing automation tools, for example, where you can automate a lot of the steps that you are uh, communicating with your clients. So maybe a solution like HubSpot would be very cool for you. Uh, if you want to, to go further, then the whole Salesforce universe comes into play, of course, but this is uh, quite expensive uh, a lot of times. Uh, so in that regard, um, you have to use tools. Then there's the whole monitoring part, uh, where Google only helps to a certain degree. And there are, uh, when it comes to search, for example, then you have tools like Systrix or Search Metrics, which do a great job of helping you monitor your competitors and your own visibilities. Uh, so depending on the question, there are uh, a, a lot of different tools. For doing the marketing, uh, an integrated solution like Adobe or Google is, is really, really fine. Uh, but then you have to, uh, you know, use, use other tools to really answer all your questions. Yeah, basically go with your needs, I guess, right? Let's also look a bit into the future. Do you see any digital marketing trends uh, arising that are relevant for startups? You mentioned like TikTok in the beginning. I could imagine that might be one. Um, yeah, there are se several uh, layers to that question. Uh, first of all, um, maybe the platform landscape will diversify a bit. Today, a lot is uh, Google, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, uh, Microsoft. Mm -hmm. um, there you have it. So those are the platforms you have to you have to work with. Maybe this will diversify because contenders like TikTok, Twitch, or other platforms are really rising uh, rapidly, and uh, maybe this will be sustainable. We will see. Um, then a uh, second layer is uh, nobody knows really how the future of a behemoth like Google will look like, for example. So it may well be in the books when you look at uh, when you look to Brussels, for example, where a lot of uh, stuff is being done regarding Google, where uh, the market sometimes gets a bit uncomfortable with the sheer size of this platform. And maybe this will be partitioned. We don't know. Uh, we simply don't know. Uh, and then there's a completely different different layer. Um, and I think this is the most important layer. When you look into the future, I think the main skills that you have to build up in your startup today are strategic skills when it comes to digital marketing. I would even go to, so far and refer to your question before, agency or in-house, Leave the operation stuff to the agency and focus on strategy. Why? Because the whole thing of automation, the whole thing of artificial intelligence will change this game massively 
we see it already uh, today on a daily basis and this will accelerate like crazy. I'm very, very sure about that. And all this manual doing, which is very important, which is still important today, uh, is on the retreat. And it will be much more important to be able to steer your digital marketing programs in a strategic context. And the doing, this will be done by the, by the engines. Got it. That makes sense. To sort of wrap up this episode, I prepared some rapid-fire questions for you okay. in the end. Let's get started. First choice, Android or iPhone? Android. Why? I don't, re I don't really know why. I know what, what the reason was. I was an iPhone user for a long time. Then someday I saw that video when they opened an Apple store in Denmark somewhere, I think. And all those enthusiastic people who were like yelling and running into that store. And I thought, that's not my world. And I switched to Android. Okay, so it's an emotional decision. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and in terms of marketing, would you go for Google or Facebook? Google. Google, yeah. So it's a, it's a red line through Google, I see. <laughs> Got it. And what makes you happy? Being challenged. Really have to really have to work hard in order to to get something and to to understand something and then realize I'm one step further. So possibly it's progress. Got it. And where do you go to think? Very stupid answer, but it's actually true in my head. That's when my wife says, you're in the tunnel again. <laughs> nice. And the last one for you today, artificial intelligence or humans? Uh, well, artificial intelligence for digital marketing operations. For a lot of other stuff, <laughs> humans. Got it. Thank you so much for the great and valuable insights, Lucas. That has been a lot of fun. And I think many startups can take a lot away from that. So thank you so much for joining today's session. Thank you very much. It was great fun. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. Stay connected with the Swisspreneur community through our LinkedIn and Instagram profiles. Make sure to subscribe to our show on whatever podcast platform you're using. See you next week for a brand new episode of The Swisspreneur Show.